Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in January of 2022. And welcome to episode 67, Learning About Competency-Based Grading. First, we want to give a shout out to our friend on Twitter at mejax412. She said, I can't wait to read the book. And she's talking about the writing on the classroom wall that we're going to do a book club about. I can't wait to read the book with as many passionate educators as possible. Thanks for this. At Scribed, S-C-R-I-B-D, which I don't know about, is a great place to get the ebook and start reading right away. Of course, I will need the paperback for my library. The intro and blog post sold me. Hashtag Yay. book recommendations. Hashtag teaching. Yay, my blog post. Somebody read Yay. it. Yay. <laughs> well, you have t- at least two people who read it because I read it too, Laura. So there you go. Yay. That's so awesome. That's so, so awesome. Can't wait to get it started. That starts February 1st. So we're very excited about that. 7.30 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to fill out the Google form that's on Twitter, in our show notes, and on our website. On to our reflection. Go ahead, Laura. Okay, well, my mom and I did Monday Adventures with Mom this week, which is today because we had today off and the weather was so horrible yesterday with tornado watches and she had bad thunder, lightning, rainstorm, everything, the wind, oof, it was bad. But anyways, we always listen to our podcast when we're in the car And she told me that her connection was with our estimation episode this past week about cooking and the use of estimating with spices and how, you know, if the recipe calls for a half a teaspoon, maybe you should actually measure that one out (laughs) instead of, ah, that looks about right, because then your whole recipe comes out pretty bad could come out. Although although when you watch cooking shows, a lot of times those professionals, they just go, yeah, that's about a quarter cup. Yep. That's about a teaspoon. You know, they can like eyeball it. Yes. But think about how many hashtag opportunities and experiences they've had to measure the real thing. Right. That's true. That's true. Which again is what it all comes down to. Yep. It does. On to my good news. This week, I, you, you know that I'm a Google certified trainer, Google level one, level two, all that stuff, yes, right? Yes, I do because I bother you a lot. <laughs> no, it's not a bother. I love it. So I was invited to a super secret Google meet where they were asking us questions, like, which I can't share because it's an NDA that I had to, that I've signed like a, a while ago when I first became a Google trainer. But Let me just say there are things happening and changing and coming to Google. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say. Okay, we'll just say Google to something, to something, and and we may or may not have also been asked our opinion on like naming things. So yeah, (laughs) it was so cool. I was freaking out the whole time I'm in the meeting. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) It was so awesome. 
Yeah, it really was. It was so, so cool to like see the behind the scenes and be part of like a super secret meeting like that. It was – and of course, my kids are like, you have to tell us. I'm like, no, I. it's against contract. Like I could I – could, I, could, I don't know what would happen to me, but I can't break the NDA. And Matthew's like, well, are you going to tell me? I'm like, no, I can't tell you either. You have a big mouth. You would just like let a – you know, you would say it to somebody and say, oops, I wasn't supposed to say that, you know? So yeah, super secret, but oh my gosh. That is so cool. Okay, listeners, we have our ninth guest with us today. It is our Google Meet friend from our first book club that we hosted, Jeff Hamilton, and he's from New York. We are so excited to have him here, and he is going to have a conversation with us about competency-based grading. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy you're here. Excited to be here. Jeff, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I live in the Bronx, New York City. I'm absolutely obsessed with plants. My home is full of them. You can see one of them in the background, one of our biggest plants. Yep. I love RuPaul's Drag Race. Huge fan. (laughs) Season 14 just started. And I'm a big fan of cryptic crosswords. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. When I first learned how to solve a cryptic crossword, or I first learned how to approach the clues, I thought that they were silly and ridiculous and impossible. And over the last five years, I've become slowly obsessed with them. I'm in the process of writing one with my fiance, and we're hoping to submit it. And maybe the New York Times will be kind enough to (laughs) let us be published, but you know, it likely won't happen, but we are enthusiastic cryptic crossword solvers. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to look it up and put that in the show notes. Are you into Wordle? I am into Wordle. However, today's word, I had to like question, what does this word mean? And it took, I had to look it up and I was like, oh, of course that's what it means. So it was- How many guesses? Um, Today it took me four guesses. It took me three. Um, But it doesn't, sometimes- I don't get it at all. So don't think I'm like the, you know, world's greatest wordle player player. I'm not. <laughs> well, I know because of Abby last week. <laughs> yeah. I needed your help. Yes. And you guys are, joined me into this group chat and I'm like, wait, spoilers. I haven't done it yet. And I'm trying to avoid it popping up on my watch every time you're texting. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm swiping it away. But you guys were good today. Look at this. It took me five. Mm. I, there are so many words that I it could have been. Oh, and you basically had it in, in round two. I had you, it. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And it was just one letter. I'm like, uh, what? Oh. So wait, I have to know. Do you all start with the same word every day? I do. I do. I didn't used to at the very beginning. I was doing random words. And then when I read that article, I posted it on Twitter about what is the mathematically, statistically best word to play. I um, Then I started using raise, which Wait, now you can- That's the word that I chose. I did not read that article. That's my starting word all the time. So it's not, so that's not actually the word that they choose, but, but it has the same, it's this, I forget what the word is, but the word- if you choose that one, it doesn't – the word that he picked in the – I'll have to go back and take a look. But if you pick that word, then it's not a word that's in the list of words, like the first word, so you won't ever get it on the first shot. So he suggested to use raise, and then I've been using that 
sense. But you could also use arise. Yes. Arise has all those same letters. Same that letters. word that you're looking yeah. for is wrote, R-O-A-T-E, because I read that article you shared. And since that day, I've been using that word. It's really? A financial term. It's like a net earning after taxes. So I feel comfortable using it now that I know what it means. But in the beginning, I was using it without knowing the definition and it felt like cheating. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Totally, totally. Well, we're all learning something. Isn't this yeah. amazing? Yes. I guess it's because yes. of the vowels in all these words, right? That's my yes. assumption. It's all the vowels in raise, arise, wrote. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you A, I, and E are mm-hmm. out in that first, right? You get to see right away um, which one it is. And I mentioned yeah. something about Wheel of Fortune to Karina the other day. I was like, it's like the Wheel of Fortune letters. And go ahead. She spat them out. R-S-T-L-N-E. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's like, wow, I haven't seen that in a while. So Yes, yeah. Well, even my 10-year-old started playing Wordle and he, he's been doing okay like with, you know, with some of the words he has no idea. But like when they're when it's drink or when it was what was the other one? Tiger. The the first time I think he played it was Tiger and I was like, you'll get this one because he's a big Tiger Woods fan too. So I'm like, you'll get this one. This one will be good. And he did. And he some of the words that he plays are pretty good. He played eager. The other day, I'm like, oh, that's a good word for a 10-year-old, mm. right? Eager. I'm writing that one down. It's a good one. <laughs> I've been starting to take screenshots of words ah. that I'm using like at the end of the game so that I can say, oh, here's another five-letter word I can try, <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. That's too funny. <laughs> I'm going to have to take one of my white books and just start a, a whole list. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, let's get back into uh, competency-based grading. All right, Jeff, that was the thing that you said you were most passionate about right now. So tell us what's making this so on your heart and on your mind. For the first time, so this is my eighth year in New York City public schools. And for the first time in my career, I feel like my students' grades accurately reflect their understanding of the content and they give students a realistic understanding of what they do and don't know. And it's especially helpful for, so I teach ninth grade geometry to um, students with special needs and multi-language learners. And I also teach AP Calculus AB. So I teach sort of the full spectrum of students in my school community. And it's been remarkable how um, the students in my AP Calculus class might have, you know, 85, 95, 100 in all of their other classes. But in AP Calculus, they're, they're having difficulty getting their grade that high because it's really just based on do you understand the content? And it's not inflated, for lack of a better word, it's not inflated by participation grades or did you turn something in grade or were you on time grade? It's ju- Their grade is just a reflection of whether or not they understand the content. And the advocacy that students are making for themselves, emailing me to stay during their lunch period, our lunch periods overlap, or to get there before school or to stay after school, or Wednesdays, students are dismissed early and teachers have professional development. So students uh, advocating or asking to stay and to demonstrate their understanding of this topic or that topic. It's remarkable. And it's happening in ninth grade and 12th grade. And I've never seen students care more about their grade. That's awesome. Because one of the things that I hear a lot from teachers here down 
here in our elementary schools, we don't give grades. We don't give percentages. We don't give, you know, A, Bs kind of grades. We do uh, standards-based report cards. So we look at mastery level proficiency, whether they're proficient or they're not proficient. And one of the complaints that teachers have is they feel that it doesn't motivate students that they're not motivated in learning because they don't get a score, they don't get a grade, they don't know, you know, a number. But what, what I'm hearing from you is that they don't need that. It was difficult in the beginning. For the first month from September through mid-October, it was difficult for students to understand. So the students are scored on a scale from zero to four. Well, good. I was just going to ask you yeah. to explain the system. They're, sca- they're scored on a scale from zero to four. And I really give a score of zero, two, three, or four. Because to me, a one and a zero mean that the student really hasn't under- doesn't understand much of the concept. So it took students a while to understand what a three or a two meant. And I have a two in my grade book at the recommendation and suggestion of a coworker. A two translates to a 65. So for me, a two is a student understands about half of the content or they demonstrated mastery of half the content on what we call a a DYU, a demonstration of your understanding that is basically a quiz, but I don't use the word quiz. Um, And students can retake that as many times as they want. So it took students a while to cozy up to this idea. And the majority of my students are there, but not all of them are. Okay. And then at the end, do you average the these points or what what happens? Yeah. So <laughs> I break the rules of my school's grading policy in a major Woo-hoo! way, but I just input grades of zero, two, three, or four for each. I, I, I hesitate to say the word standard because New York State, uh, and like most states, follows the geometry common core standards. And the standards I use aren't, you know, students can you know, successfully, uh, you know, find the exterior angle of an isosceles triangle, blah, blah, blah. You know, my my competencies are very basic, you know, especially for my multi-language learners. You know, student can classify angles as acute, obtuse, and right. Students can, you know, calculate a derivative using the power rule. They're very basic, not unofficial standards. So I just put them into my grade book out of zero, two, three, or four. And that's the only thing used to calculate my grades. Um, so those numbers are averaged and then we get a final score at the end. A two is a 65, a three is an 85, and a four corresponds to a hundred and a zero is a zero. Unlike most schools where in New York City, I don't know about you, but if a kid gets a zero across the board, their report card grade at the end is a 55, which I don't quite understand in most schools that I've been in and that's how it goes. Wow. That that makes no sense to me. Okay. So a a four being a hundred would be an A, a three being an 85 would be a B. Yeah. Um, I, we don't use letter grades, but I guess an 85, we don't, yeah, we don't use letter grades. An 85 would be, I suppose a B and a 65 would be a, like a D. I suppose a D. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And how long have you been doing this? Since I read the book and joined your book club. So I developed this whole concept over the summer. I created this Google sheet where I keep track of everything. I color code the standards on the DYUs, as I call them. Um, been doing it since September. And as long as I'm teaching, I will never, ever, ever go back to any other way because students are advocating wow. for themselves. Like they're yeah. demanding they, they don't like the way their grade looks and they want it to be higher. And the only way to get their grade to go higher is to demonstrate that they understand what we've been learning in class. 
They don't have to turn in a piece of paper that we did three weeks ago that they copy from a friend. They have to sit in front of me and do something. That's the only way to raise your grade. Did other teachers join you on this? Yeah, so a coworker of mine is the one who initially suggested building thinking classrooms to me in March of 2021. And then I found your book club, so I joined your book club. And if you haven't joined Laura and Karina's book clubs yet, they're amazing. Um, Shameless plug. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I have one other coworker in the math department who does it, um, from whom I'm getting a lot of ideas on how to improve this process. Um, And we're hopeful that in the coming year or years, we can push more people, not just in the math department, but across the school community to implement this idea. See, it just takes one. It takes one other person, and that's how it gets started and then spreads. Yes. And we are crossing our fingers that it will it will take off because it it's working. And maybe it won't work in every school, but I think, you know. I, I see it working in our school and I'm excited. I, I get excited when I think about how my students' grades reflect what they understand. Like when a special education teacher comes to me now to like ask for... Their present level of performance? Yes, like what they can do, what they can't do. And they're like, what can this student do? In like the last seven years, I was like, I would like look at my grade book and I'd be like, um... Uh, but now I look at my grade book and it's like literally just like skills. You know, what is John's skill level here? What is John's skill level here? What is John's skill level here? And I could say, John can do this, 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 this. John struggles to classify angles. Um, John has difficulty solving angles um, when there are algebraic expressions involved. So is it that like you've taken the standard and kind of broken it down to the foundational things that they need? Is that what you've done? So our students are supposed to take what they call the New York State Regents at the end of every year. And you, I, okay. I, I think Florida has a similar state assessment. I don't know what it's called. Yes. Um, yes. FSA right now. But they're going to get rid of that and call it the FAST test. F-A-S-T. <laughs> like, really? Because but nothing anyway, is more important another. on a standardized test than doing it very fast. Go fast. <laughs> yeah. Why take mm-hmm. your time when you can go fast and guess? Go fast with the best <laughs> go, standards. Go, go fast, fast or don't best. go at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so our students have to take the regents. Now, this is a different conversation because the regents have been canceled every sitting since summer, since June 2020. They were also canceled in January 2022 of this year. And fingers crossed, they'll be canceled in June 2022. So I, wow. my, I don't have to test prep my students out the wazoo to get them ready for this geometry test that is only offered in English when the majority of my students in one of my sections are not native English speakers. And I got two students three weeks ago who just moved here from Addis Ababa in Ethiopia and don't speak any English, but yet they're they're bright yeah. students. And so many of my students are bright students. It's just that these tests are not, you know, the geometry one is only offered in English. Algebra is offered in a few languages, but that's besides the point. Your question was, do I boil down the standards? And I've been teaching geometry every year since I started in New York. And I know what New York State expects of geometry students and I really just teach students in the same progression as the Common Core standards. You know, it really, I, I really think about it. So a great example here is um, when it comes to right triangle trigonometry. Trigonometry standard is, you know, students can solve word problems involving sine, cosine, tangent, and inverse cosine, sine, and tangent. And that there's a heck of a lot of stuff packed into that standard. You know, there's a lot. Can students... 
identify when to use trigonometry to approach solving a problem instead of the Pythagorean theorem or triangle sum theorem? Can students uh, identify which trigonometric ratio is best suited to solve that problem? Or can they use multiple trigonometric ratios to solve a problem? You know, but it's all packed so densely into this one standard. And maybe there's more than one. I haven't looked at the standards in two years. um, So I might be speaking a little um, in error, but it's besides the point. I just like to make things as digestible as possible and have students demonstrate their understanding of these uh, manageable, and in my opinion, manageable, digestible skills and just slowly build upon them. And students can re-demonstrate, retake anything as much as they'd like. And it's working so far. I'm very happy with it. And it's less time. Believe it or not, I spend so much less time grading. I spend so much less time grading. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because even uh, the standards that we have, the one standard, there's multiple standards that is like add, subtract, divide, and multiply decimals to the thousands. I I mean, are you kidding me with that? And then same with fractions, add, subtract, multiply, divide, fractions. Uh, You've got to break it down. You can't just, that's that's a huge, uh, there's so many different things, so many different concepts going into that one standard. It's it's crazy. And are students assessed every year on their FSA or soon to be fast assessment on all of those skills or are some of the skills assessed? Uh, I know. I mean, most of them are all, all assessed. It's a, there's a percentage of how the test is kind of broken down. So yeah, I think my frustration with the regions here is that sometimes you'll spend an entire I'll spend, you know, a week teaching a topic and, it's not easy. and year after year after year, I don't see this topic tested and it's frustrating because right. I, I don't, I, I can't quite phrase why it's frustrating because I want to teach my students that the test doesn't, um, you know, represent yeah. their ability level, but I don't know. It's, it, it gets to me. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see if my students have to take the geometry regions that in, on June 23rd or whatever, I'm excited to see how they do as compared right. to in years past, because in the past they've done pretty well. You know, I've, I've still chunked the material. I just didn't grade them in such a way. And I'm curious if this had any effect. You know, what I'm really curious about now is the stuff that they learned at the beginning of the school year, if they still have it. Mm. Fortunately enough in geometry, so many of the skills build upon themselves. And one of the things that I love to do is on, well, I I use a site to assess my students. It's called Delta Math. I don't know if you've heard from it, but it is an amazing free resource for teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. It was created by a teacher in New York City. And I get the Delta Math Plus version, which I pay for, which allows me to um, create tests. But uh, long story short, it uh, has every single skill a kid, well, I I think every single skill a student in New York State and in many states could be expected to have in middle school math and algebra and geometry in calculus, they have um, coding classes. So I create these Delta math assignments where students can check their understanding. It's called a, a CYU. They check their understanding. Then in class someday, there's a DYU, a demonstrate your understanding. And I leave the CYUs up year round. And so my CYU from, you know, classifying triangles by sides and angles is still on there. So occasionally in class, I'll say to students, you know what, 
Um, instead of doing our uh, whiteboard, our vertical whiteboard problems today, I want everyone to go back to three CYUs from September or October and practice those skills and refresh your understanding of that content. Um, and they love students love doing that. And it's also an opportunity for kids who maybe got a two or a zero on that content to say, hey, is it possible for me to go back and do the DYU for that thing? I'll be like, well, the marking period has passed, but your semester grade is upcoming. So if you do, if you change that grade, it will affect your final semester average. And besides the point, forget the grade, you'll understand and have demonstrated mastery of this topic. I try to do as much review as possible because I mean, the the narrative of learning loss has gotten to me a lot this year. Like I, I can't I've heard teachers in my own school community say learning loss, learning loss, learning loss. And I'm like, I think last year with my students, we spent a lot of time on Desmos exploring and we did, you know, we went in depth with rigid, with rigid motions. We went in depth with trigonometry and basic trig ratios and corresponding angles and similar triangles have the same trigonometric ratios. And we went really deep last year remotely. And a lot of my students did learn things more deeply remotely. They wouldn't have had that opportunity to learn it so deeply in person because there's this pressure of the test. So when I hear people talk about learning loss and how kids are behind, I think some, it's not, it's not always true. I'm not saying all my students are ahead. I'm saying some of them are, and some of them are behind, but this false narrative that keeps being pushed by so many people who haven't spent much time in the classroom, I find it kind of frustrating um, because not all students lost last year. Not not all students lost learning. Some students moved forward. A lot of students moved forward. It is true. I have an example too of, of a kid who was in my class last year and he was virtual the entire year. And for him, him being virtual was the best thing for him. It just allowed him to not worry about all that other stuff. He could turn on and off. You know, he was like, it was sometimes things in a classroom, there's so much action and he wasn't, from what I heard from his previous teacher, he wasn't able always to- Like filter out? Yes, mm-hmm. like filter it all out. So for him, the virtual learning piece was just, was great. Well, I'm going to say- I mean, that's, probably, not all, that's not all the kids, right? No, I was going to say, you know, I'm going to flip it 180 degrees. And when I was trying to do math recovery with one of my girls and she had to spend two weeks at home- That was a nightmare for her and myself because of all of the stuff happening at the house. Mm. Yeah. The siblings, the the babies, the TV, the people on the phone. Like after a few days, I was like, yep, we'll just pick this up when you come back. Because I couldn't do it. She didn't have headphones. She couldn't focus. The little brother kept coming up on the bed. I'm like, yeah, that's not this is not working for us. But anyway, back to our, <laughs> our topic. Of- and, and we have different, I mean, this is different age, age levels right. too, right? So you have high schoolers who I think are a little bit more able, they're more self, self um, they can self monitor like, better. Yes. Yeah. They can yeah. self monitor better. Yeah. But elementary can, school kids, I can talk about my own kid, you know, <laughs> his junior year last year. I mean, the amount of learning he did was zilch. Because they were doing hybrid, and who got the attention? The kids sitting the kids in the front, were in class, yeah, right in, yeah. in front of the teacher. So I felt like last year was a total waste for him. And again, 
I, I think he's like me, like we want to be with people to right. learn, right? Because we're all smarter together, which the three of us believe. Totally. But I, I think it totally sucked for him. I get the whole learning loss versus unfinished learning. And what are we, mm. we're up against the standards, right? That's what we're trying to talk about. But listeners, if you have not contacted your state legislators yet, we, seriously, we have to cancel all state testing again. Think about, I mean, Jeff, you and I were going back and forth with how many teachers were absent at your school at the beginning of this month. And I'm looking around at my school. We can't get subs. There are yeah. no substitutes. So now you're either going to pull a resource person or split the kids. Like There is no consistent learning this year. No. None. So listeners, please, 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 I'm imploring you to spread the word to hashtag make a fuss with us. Let's get into our state legislators' inboxes, voicemails. They have to cancel state testing because this is not good for anybody except the people making the money off the test. Jeff, I do have a question about your DYU. When you said kids do it, they have the opportunity to do it again. Is it the same questions, the same things, or do you change it up? This is the beauty of Delta Math Plus. When I create a test, I can assign, for example, we just did one rotational symmetry. We had a DYU on rotational symmetry. And I can assign, you know, three or four problems, never more than four problems. And I can make the first problem. There's like check boxes. Do you want your first problem to be a, you know, equilateral triangle or a square or um, a shape with rotational symmetry of 72 degrees or however many degrees? And I could say, oh, I want the first problem to be, you know, rotational symmetry of 180, the second one to be rotational symmetry of 72, and the third one to be rotational symmetry of this or that. And each time the students take it, it generates new questions every single time. And this is where the time-saving aspect comes in. It's also the case that students might, um, you know, especially in my AP Calculus class where there's a big difference, well, there always is, but between bracket and parenthesis when it comes to, you know, intervals on which a function is increasing or decreasing or what have you. And if a student types in a wrong uh, symbol like a bracket instead of a parenthesis, they can speak with me and I also have the ability to alter their grade on Delta Math. I could say, oh, this student made a silly mistake and the student deserves credit. They just right. um, made this small error and I can permit that as well. Um, but yeah, new questions every time. New questions every nice. time. Wow. And, nice. each stu- and each student, each sitting has different questions. So like if I have 30 kids in a room, each one of them is getting a different, a different question. A different question. The downside is that kids are doing this on the computer. And I really, I like have after last year, I like to minimize computer time. Right. But when we do our UIUs, I do have students on a computer just for my own sanity. It makes grading so much easier. But this is, you know, once every two weeks. So only for about 20 or 30 minutes. So I think they can manage. And I can- I'm so yeah. jealous that you have such control. Yeah over your quizzes. What about tests? Do you give like unit tests? No, I haven't given a test all year. Yay! We're expected to give a final exam, not this week, but next week, or it could be a, a culminating activity for the end of the semester. And I'm spending a lot of time with one of my co- with one of my team teachers on what could a non-cumulative final exam look like because a cumulative final exam would knock away all the work I've been trying to do all semester where students, yeah. you know, I don't want to blame them for their 
not knowing. I want to promote continued learning. I want to promote understanding. So if I give them one final, the semester ends next week, I have to allow them to retake that same final over and over and over again. And a final, it's supposed to be 10% of your grade. You know, it has to have a certain length to it. And I can't just have them retaking a 20 question exam over and over again. So I'm working with my team teacher to come up with creative solutions. But no, I haven't given really a test all year. But students are always eager to practice, to check their understanding on topics that they learned, emailing me or my team teacher to meet up to demonstrate their understanding. And they're using that language, which to me is the coolest thing. They're saying, you know, yeah. if, I could, if I shared my screen with you now and I showed you my inbox for my school community, and I searched to demonstrate my understanding, you would just see all these emails with stars next to them because I star them when they pop up. Um, so I don't forget to reply, but students are constantly asking for the opportunity to demonstrate their understanding. And can I add, can I add one more thing? Can I add one of more course, thing? Of course. I've been doing a lot of Zoom tutoring this year um, for a few students. And one thing I noticed that the students that I am working with, and this sort of ties into thinking classrooms, the students I am working with Every single one of them is so unbelievably bright. And sometimes I sit there on the other end with my whiteboard app on Zoom on on my iPad. And I think, why am I tutoring this student? Like this student doesn't, I don't feel this student needs my support. I'm happy to make them feel like better in their understanding of math. But I'm realizing when I sort of, you know, ask these probing questions about, oh, what'd you do in class? What'd you do in class? It's always the teacher lecturing, lecturing, lecturing. The students don't have the opportunity to talk to each other. And when they, when a test is coming up and I ask them to solve a problem, they could solve a algebra two, you know, problem that has complex roots and imaginary numbers. But when they start talking about it, they get like nervous and they they can't talk their way through a problem and their inability to talk about what they're learning, I think is the reason they feel like they need tutoring because when I'm working with them, they're constantly talking. And I think that's what makes them feel better. And that's why they want to keep coming back to me. I don't think that they need help with the math. I've in the past two years, I've rarely had to explain a topic to any of these students, but they enjoy working over Zoom because they're having finally the opportunity to talk about what they're doing. And when I give a test, I lose a period, the opportunity for kids to talk. So I like the DYUs to be short, three or four questions. Let's get back at it. Let's get back to the whiteboards. Let's get back in our random groups and let's just keep working. I wonder, especially since you work with teenagers, if it's that they want to talk or that someone is listening to them. Yes. Jeff, we can't thank you enough for being on this episode with us and giving your time to us. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. So much fun. It was. It was. All right, listeners, here's your challenge for this week. Again, we're going to go for the two challenges, and I'm going to tell you the first one. Your first challenge is to rethink your grading system. Is what you're doing the best way to assess and grade what your students know and are able to do? And the second is to join our book club. So again, you can find the Google Form link in our show notes, on Twitter, and on our website. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learning through math. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.